This morning, I want us to ask a question. How do you know who you are, or how do other people know who you are? And that, uh, is it not coming up? There we go. Okay. Um, we, we sometimes play games. People can't really figure out who we are. And around certain people, we're a certain way, and around other people, we're a little bit different. But how can we really know that we're children of God? And how can we let other people know that we are children of God? I don't know if you've had this happen. Those of you who have children, does this go on in your house? When your children were little, you, you had to get them into a bedtime routine. And in our house, the challenge was brushing your teeth. Um, now, you don't have to tell them to brush their teeth anymore, but when they were little, we had this thing. Okay, it's bedtime. Go brush your teeth. Now, their toothbrushes were in our bathroom, and so they would go in, every one of them. They would go in, and they'd shut the door, and you wouldn't hear any water running, you know? And so they'd leave, and you'd say, did you, did you turn on the water? No. Go in there and brush your teeth. And so they'd go back in, and then you would hear water running, but it was just, it was no time at all. It was too short. And so they would leave, and you'd walk in there, and you'd touch the bristles on their brush, and they were dry. You know, they'd learn, well, I'll just turn the water on and make them think I'm brushing my teeth. And so we'd go back, go back in and brush your teeth. So they would go back in, and uh, they would brush their teeth. You would come out, they would, sufficient time, but then they weren't using toothpaste. You know, they were just using the water and the brush. And so here's what we finally started doing. We would, after they got their teeth brushed, we'd say, come here, let us smell your breath. And then they would let us smell their breath and we could smell the toothpaste. And that's the only way we could know that they brush their teeth. Now, they still might not have. I mean, they could have been just squirting a tube in their mouth. I don't know. I surely hope not. But, there, you know, we just that's what we had to do to know for sure that they were brushing their teeth. How can your neighbors and how can your friends know that you're a disciple of Jesus? I don't think they can know just simply because we put on nice clothes on Sunday and come to a building. That, that can be an evidence, but man, I'm telling you, there are a whole lot of people that do that that aren't going to end up in heaven someday. So how can we know? I have four things I want to share with you this morning that tell us how we can know and how our friends can know, those who see us and watch us, that we really are who we claim to be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2, the Bible says, well, Paul was writing to the Corinthians whom he had baptized and he had begun the church there. He said, you're our epistle, written and read by all men. People are looking at you and they're determining who you are by what you do. And, and you know, you're the only Bible we've said many times that some people will ever read. That was the case with them. In Acts 4 and verse 13, the rulers of the synagogue had arrested Peter and John. And um, after a while, they made this statement. And these guys are unlearned. They're, they're uneducated guys. And yet, they preach these things. 
we can tell they've been with Jesus. You see, there was something about the way they preached and the boldness and the the message that they communicated said to everybody around, these men have been with Jesus. In the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 17, there was uh, the widow of Zarephath. And um, you remember she had nothing and they were about to die. They were about to eat their last meal. They had just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and they were going to eat it and they're just going to die. She and her son. And the prophet Elijah comes to her and says, I'll tell you what, you feed me first. It was a test of faith. And we'll take care of things after that. And you know, from that day, she always had fun. I mean, here's this thing, it never emptied. Where she kept her flour, it stayed full. It was a miracle. It never emptied. And the oil, it never emptied. And so there was always food to, to be had for them. It was a miracle that God granted to them. But then that boy died. And she came to Elijah and said, why? I mean, what are you doing here? Are you going to like burden me more? Are you here to preach to me, to criticize me? And Elijah took that boy and walked upstairs and he laid him down and he cried out to the Lord and brought that boy back to life. Another miracle for this woman. And as that chapter closes, that woman, that widow, says, By this I know you are a man of God. There was no question. All doubt was removed. That's what I want. I I want to be able to remove all doubt with people who look at my life. I want them to be able to say, without question, Steve's a Christian. Without question, y'all are children of God. So how do we do that? Well, here's one of four. Number one, you show them by your love. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, or 1 John, John chapter 13, uh, verses 34 and 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Now, I know that there are a lot of things that demonstrate uh, discipleship. Um, We follow in a lot of commandments. But love is such an overarching commandment. It, It encompasses all the others. And so Jesus can say, you show love toward me, nobody can doubt that you're one of my disciples. Have you seen churches that fuss with each other and fuss among themselves And they can't get along with anybody. They can't get along with themselves. There's always that spirit of bitterness and being cantankerous. And that's not the mark of a disciple. You can hold the truth and fail miserably at discipleship because of your attitude. And because you don't love each other like you should. I want the church here to be a mark or to have a mark on us. When people look at us, they say, oh yeah. That church, is they're the people of God because, look, they love each other. They're known by their love. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 9, Paul was writing to them and he said, I have no need to tell you this, to tell you to love each other because, wow, you all have been taught that of God. I mean, everybody knows that that's a fundamental. It should be a given that we love one another. As given as it should be, we need to work at it. 
and we need not to become bitter and angry and hold malice in our hearts toward one another. Because if my neighbor wants to know if I'm a Christian, they need to look at me and say, without a doubt, he's a Christian. Because look at the way he loves. Look at how he reaches out to the lost. Look at how compassionate he is. Look at how he loves his brethren. Look at how he doesn't gossip like everybody else does. By our love. Show people that you belong to Jesus by your love. 1 Corinthians 13, if you want to know what that entails, read that chapter. Read the first eight verses of 1 Corinthians 13. It's not a show. It's not a showy thing. It's not bells and whistles. It's, it's devotion. It's thinking the best in another person. It's being committed to another person. It's believing in another person. Look at that list and try to measure your life by that list. But here's the second thing. You want your neighbors to know you're a Christian. You do so by your love. You also do so by your lights. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5 and verse 16 that we're to let our lights so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And what that means is not only are we showing the way to people who are in darkness, you know, flipping the light switch on so that they can see where to go, but light not only illuminates the way, but it also exposes darkness. And if I'm to really love and to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, I have to not only say, this is the way to live, I also have to be willing to say, and this is not. We live in a society where you can do your own thing. You, you, you can hold your own convictions, be whatever you want to be, but leave everybody else alone. Mind your own business when it comes to somebody else. Don't go preaching to anybody. If you want to do this, well, go ahead and do it. If you want these to be the standards for your life, well, then make them your standards. But don't impose that on anybody else. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 15, that light that we're to shine, well, not only does it illuminate the way for us, but it also exposes the unfruitful works of darkness. If I'm to show people that I'm a child of God, by my light, the way I live, I need to show them this is the way you do it. This is how you live. This is how you conduct yourself. When you're angry, this is the way you're supposed to behave. When you're happy, when you're disappointed, when you're upset, these are the things that Jesus would have us to do. But also, we need to have the courage to say, this is not right. This, watch for that. That is not acceptable to God. And this over here, this is what a lot of people are doing too. You can't do that either. The light both exposes and illuminates truth as well as error. Another way that our neighbors will know is that um, by our loyalty. Where are your loyalties? What, what is it that you're truly committed to? When a person looks at your life, what, what do they say? Man, this guy is all about this. If it's not Jesus, we need to make some changes. We need to show people by our love and by our light, the way we live, but we need to show by our loyalty. Man, I am so wrapped up in this. It it, it cannot be separated from my life. It's not a thing I do. It is who I am. I am a Christian, a follower of Jesus. 
And there's no way to compartmentalize that with me. It's the core of who I am. That's what it means. Turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 6. I, I want to show you the loyalty, and here's how we can show, demonstrate loyalty. You know, if you're saying, well, you know, I'm loyal to God, but how's anybody going to know about that? How's my neighbor going to know about my loyalty? Well, we can demonstrate our loyalty at least through three avenues, and all three of them are spoken of in Galatians 6. We can demonstrate our loyalty by, as Paul put it, I bear in my body the marks of Christ. Verse 17. You see that? He said, I bear in my body the marks of Christ. I, I'm amazed by Paul. You know, I, I would, I'd like to get, and I'd like to have a, a mental image and not just a blank, you know, I, He's a character in the Bible, but when when I ask you, close your eyes and picture Paul. What what do you see? You know, do you see this great big man like you know Benny back there? You know, muscles everywhere, or what is that? How you 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 picture the Apostle Paul? Probably not, but I'd like to see him because this guy, he was a man. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, five times I received 40 stripes, save one, from the Jews. If you ever watch the Passion of the Christ and you watch the the beating that took place to Jesus, fairly accurate representation, I think, from what Josephus, a historian who saw them, said, um, many people didn't survive. And those beatings took dug deep wounds in their flesh. Paul got, you know, if I just stood here and went and counted to 39 and I stopped and we did it again and I stopped and we did it again and I stopped and we did it again and I stopped and we did it again. Paul was beaten five times with 39 stripes. I've often wondered if his, did he have time to heal between the next one? You know, the wounds that were dug into his flesh, and then he, he's beaten again. Did he have time to heal? And then when scars upon scars, can you imagine what his back must have looked like? And not only was he beaten five times, 39 times each time, But then he was beaten with rods, three different occasions. I don't know if you can picture caning, you know, that is practiced in some uh, Far East countries as as a form of discipline. Um, You know, they they hit you with a a rod, a a cane rod, and it literally breaks the flesh. It doesn't cut you, it just breaks the flesh open. He had that happen to him three times. When he says, you wonder whether or not I'm a child of God or not, I bear in my body the marks of Christ. You could never doubt Paul. And when you are persecuted, when you endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you say to everyone around you, I'm a disciple. 
You see, when it comes to persecution, those who are not committed, they, they usually um, they bail. They, they fall away. But if you're a child of God, you'll bear in your body the marks of Christ. When do we have the opportunity ourselves to bear those marks? Nobody has ever beaten us for our faith. So where, where is our glory? There surely, you know, and I, I've said this, you know, imagine going to heaven from the 21st century living in Knoxville, Tennessee. And you're there in paradise and, and you, you run up upon these godly men who have lived before. You've read their stories in the Bible and, and there they are. And, and Daniel is talking about things that had happened to him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the fiery furnace and, and James beheaded and, uh, you know, Paul with the beatings and all these things that they endured, but they're so thankful they're there. And, and then you walk up to the circle and they say to you, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? What's your story? What do we say? Well, one day I walked to church and somebody laughed at me because I was carrying a Bible. You know, is that about the best we can muster? And that's too much for us? How many people wilt at the least little bit of resistance because of their faith? We've got to be strong. We have to bear and be willing to bear in our body the marks of Christ. That'll show your loyalty. But not only that, look in Galatians chapter 6 and look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I can show my loyalty to Jesus by getting invested in your life. You having trouble? You won't have it alone. I'll be there with you. You facing difficult issues? Are there things that are in your, you know, guy I went to college with, talking to him yesterday? He says, I've got an issue going on in my life. Ask the brethren to pray for me. See, that's how we show we're disciples of Christ. We bear one another's burdens. We lift each other up. We encourage each other. We, we are strong when someone else is weak. And then the third thing is, well, loyalty to ourself. Look at, look at uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 5. For each one shall bear his own load. We're to help each other, but we're responsible for ourselves. When I stand before God, I, I can't say it's anybody else's fault. Somebody made me mad. Somebody treated me improperly. This happened, that happened, and therefore I turned away. You, you're going to bear your own burden. And when we man up and take responsibility for our own lives, we're showing people we belong to Jesus. No excuses. I bear in my marks, or I bear in my body the marks of Christ. I bear one another's burdens. I bear my own responsibility. That's the sign of a, of a child of God. And then the last thing is this. How can people know that we really are disciples? How, by our longing. Man, we, we long for things that we really are connected to. Um, Dave Benner, a couple weeks ago, said, you know, the Steelers are playing 
Cincinnati on a Monday night. Want to go? So, since I kind of like the Steelers, we're going to a Steelers game. Um, By my longing, you'll know I'm a fan. You know, that's the way it works. Does anybody know that you're a disciple of Jesus by how much you long to go to heaven? I do not want to miss heaven. There are a lot of good things in this world. There are things that uh, you can have a lot of fun with. There is pleasure in sin, Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us. Experience tells us. But whatever those pleasures are that take me out of the will of God, I don't want to do them for the sake that there's something even better. I want to go to heaven. I want to live eternally. Hebrews chapter 11 says of Abraham, by faith he did all these great things for he looked for a city that had foundations whose builder and maker was God. He longed to go to heaven. And you go down just a couple verses more and it talks about other great men and women of faith who they could have turned back, but they wouldn't because they looked for a, a heavenly city. They wanted to go to heaven. They endured all kind of hardships. He goes on and describes the hardships. They were cut in two. They were beheaded. They were stoned. But they did all that because heaven was the most important thing to them in the world. Do our choices reflect that longing? Have we ever gone back on our you know, commitment to Christ because, well, there's this going on. I, I got to go to this. I got to do this. And, and so I don't have time to do this spiritual thing. I don't have time for spiritual matters. We would be better people if every day we would wake up and we would think, I want to go to heaven. Number one, it would be a source of encouragement to realize no matter what happens through the day, how hard it is and whatever your troubles are, and what you're facing, to realize, you know, there is an end to all this. The day's coming, and it's coming much quicker than probably we all realize. The day when all the troubles, they'll be gone, and we'll face God. And for the child of God, that's a day of relief. It's a day of victory. So thinking of heaven when I wake up in the morning, it's an encouragement, but also it'll help me to live better. Because it's when I forget about heaven that I involve myself in sin. When I think about eternity and heaven and hell, then then I'm more conscious and, and I'm more eager to resist and say no to temptation. It's when I forget about heaven that I stumble. By our longing, we can show people what really matters to us. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Let not up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust corrupts, where thieves break through and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust doesn't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How do people know I'm a child of God? By these things I shared with you this morning. By our love by the light that we shine, on the path of truth, as well as exposing the errors of sin, by our loyalty and by our longing. That's how we do it. I hope that as we go out this week and try to integrate in a world 
that is lost without being like the world that we can show them these traits in our lives. I want them to know I'm a child of God and I have hope. And if you don't have that hope this morning because you haven't done what God asked you to do and maybe you haven't been living the kind of life that you should be living that demonstrates the hope that you have, We want you to respond to the invitation. If you need to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, make that decision this morning. If you're a child of God already, but you haven't been living in such a way that people can see you're a child of God, I want you to do make that decision. We'll pray with you that uh, you do that more accurately and more with more dedication and zeal than you have in the past. The Bible while we sing a song, let the glory of Jesus be seen in me. It's what Colossians 1 verse 27 says. What's our hope of glory? If we ever stand any chance of getting out of this life successfully, what is our hope? Christ in you is your hope of glory. If he's not in you today, then won't you respond as we stand together and sing?